morning. It is great to see everyone here in person and online. And uh, this 11 o'clock service is basically filled up. So we appreciate uh, you guys registering for it. You know, the registration's a, kind of a new deal, and we just do it to be safe. And so we can uh, make sure we uh, social distance within this room. If you're online, you have a lot of opportunities to come back. Five o'clock service, plenty of room on Saturday night. And uh, the nine o'clock service on Sunday, plenty of room as well. If any of you that can go to those services and it works out in your schedule, we encourage you to do that. A lot of opportunities to serve. We're going to be talking more about that as we go through this sermon series. Uh, we want to engage, and uh, many of you will be coming back to the in-person gathering, engage you in, in service, a lot of different areas. Some of the areas we really haven't talked about before. Well, a lot of needs have come up, particularly during this season, and uh, we want to share those with you. So let's pray before we open God's Word. Father, we thank you that you are a God who knows us by name. And um, you know what's going on in our lives. Uh, you, know, um, you know the stuff that weighs us down. You know the discouragement that fills our heart. You, you know the joy that we have as, as we move from, from day to day. You know, thing, you know the, the things, Lord, that, that, that cause us concern. And, uh, and you know our secret stuff that no one else knows about. And you still love us. And you still care for us. And for those of us who have trusted in Christ, you still call us your children. So Father, we pray that as we open your word, that you would speak to us as only you can do. We have nothing to say unless it comes from you. And we can't hear unless you open our ears and can't absorb unless you open our mind and our hearts. And so Lord, we're totally dependent on you today, as we look as we look at your word, just as we were, as when we were singing songs to you. So be with us and speak to us personally and powerfully. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so when you open your Bibles, you enter into this this fascinating world, right? And who would agree with me that sometimes as you open your Bibles and start to read these stories, sometimes it can get a little confusing. Anyone agree? Okay, two people agree with me. It gets a little confusing sometimes. The stories of the Bible are, are set in this, a different context than, than us, right? A, a world of, of, um, of agriculture, an ancient world, agriculture, tribal wars going back and forth, different languages, different cultures. You, have, you, you, read about, you read about countries who were world powers that don't even exist today. And it can get a little confusing. And, and sometimes we, we can say, you know, the Bible was for that world, but doesn't really relate to us. The great theologian J.I. Packer said it like this, the Bible is all intensely interesting, but, but it all seems so far away. It all belongs to that world, not to this world. And we feel that we are, so to speak, on the outside of the Bible looking in. You ever feel that way? Kind of on the outside, just kind of looking in. So the question that I want to put before you as we uh, 
study through scripture this year is um, how, how, can, how can these words and actions and stories of the Bible written, written long before the printing press, how can they relate to us today in this world of technology, social media, internet? How, how, can, I, how can I understand this book? How, how does it relate to what I'm going through in my life? And, and most importantly, how, how, can it, how can it change my, can it change my life? How can it change my life? These are questions we're going to try to answer as we go through the entire Bible this year. We're going to study through, from Genesis to Revelation. Now, granted, it's going to be kind of a high-level journey as we look at the stories of the Bible, but most of all, it's the story of who? The story of God, right? And we're going to see that in this book, it's God's story, and he is writing our story. Two themes or two strands we're going to look at as we go from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to see from page to page, whether we're in the Old Testament history or prophecies or poetry, whether we're in the New Testament gospels or acts or the letters, we're going to see that the Bible is first and foremost about the person of God. The Bible is God's story. It's all about him. And when we understand that and when we read that in all the pages, then some of the details that might confuse us become clearer because we see that God is the one who's writing the story. The other theme that we see as we will study from Genesis to Revelation is the person of God is, is, is primary, but we're going to see the response Of, uh, of people. Because as God writes his story, you know what he's doing? He's writing your story and my story as well. We see that in the stories of, of Moses and, and, and David and Abraham and, and Peter and Paul and the New Testament, all, all the disciples. We, we see the stories of people, but they're minor players. God's the subject. And just as he writes their story, He's writing our story as well. By the way, we're co-writers in this story. How, how do you want your story to go? How do you want your story to play out? What, what do you want to write in your story? How do you want to live out your story? So let's get started as we go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to look today at Genesis 1, but we're going to see that this creator is found in every page of Scripture. The creation story doesn't stop in Genesis chapter 1. So here we go. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word created is the word bara. In Hebrew, it's only used of God. God is the only creator. No one else creates. God is the creator. 
And when you read the word heaven and earth in this kind of summary statement of creation, Genesis 1-1, there's a figure of speech called a merism. It takes the two extremes and includes everything in between. So when you read in scripture, the heavens and earth, the writer is saying God created everything in the heavens. He created everything on the earth and he created everything in between. He is the creator of all things. So God's the subject of the book. From Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was without form. Now just check this out. Without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now this is interesting because in Genesis chapter one, verse two, there are some words there that describe something is drastically wrong. Formlessness and emptiness. When these words come together in in Jeremiah uh, chapter four, verse 23, they describe the judgment of God. There's also darkness that represents evil and death and wickedness. So there's chaos. There's something wrong in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Now, how can that be? Because sin has not entered the human race yet, right? That comes in Genesis 3. So how is there chaos and formlessness and void in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2? Where does that come from? I'll tell you next week, okay? Come back next week, and we'll talk about that. Today, we want to keep going in, uh, in the creation story. Now, if you're, do, if you're following on your app and you're trying to fill these in, I'm going to go through the creation, the six days of creation, very, very quickly. So you're not going to be able to get all these in, right? My wife was here last night and she said, what were you doing? I could not write those fast enough. So I promise you, you can't get those in there. But if you go to your app and hit messages tomorrow, it'll all be filled in for you, okay? So I just want to show you this real quickly and then we're going to move on to some other things. The first three days of creation, God remedied the formlessness and darkness. Day one, he created light. Day two, he created skies and the waters. Day three, land and vegetation. The last three days of creation, he remedied the emptiness. So on day four, he created lights for the day and the night. He created life for the sea and the sky. He created on day six, life for the land. Now, um, if you've been around Christians for a while, many Christians will stop right there at the creation story and they start arguing about what? They start arguing about how long was the day? The Hebrew word yom, how long was the day? Was it a literal 24-hour day or was it a long period of time? And Christians go back and forth and argue this and they do research and they go to seminars and they debate and discuss and they get heated over this. They even go to museums to check this out. But I don't think that's the purpose of Genesis chapter one, verse one, to determine. I don't think God said, I'm writing that so that Christians will stop right there and start arguing. God, from the very beginning is saying, I got something better for you. I got something more for you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse three says this, no one was at creation, right? So by faith, 
we understand that the universe was created by the word of the Lord so that what was seen was not made out of things visible. God, God created everything out of nothing. But we, do, we take that by faith because we weren't there. But God has something more for us, I believe, in the creation story. And here is, the, here is what we, want, we need to settle from, from, from Genesis 1 as we work our way through the Bible. The foundation of God's story is this truth that he is the mighty creator. This shows up again and again and again. It, it, this truth that God is the mighty creator runs like a still beam throughout scripture and is the foundation and support of every truth of scripture. Let me show you how this works. Go back to Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word, Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for God is the word El, but here it's the word, that's the, that's a singular. Here's the word Elohim, and that's the plural, and it's not talking about the Trinity there. It's talking about, that's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's called the, a plural of intensity or a plural of majesty. There's no way to describe God in the singular. He is Elohim. He is majestic. He, he is preeminent overall. Elohim. The word Elohim means mighty creator. Mighty creator. Now, if God wanted just to stop there, we would know as a truth that he's a mighty creator, right? He only has to tell us one time. But he, like a good parent, repeats things to us so that we remember them and we learn them. So he wants us to remember that he's the mighty creator, God Elohim. So when you read God in scripture, when you're reading through the Old Testament, every time you see God, you think of the word Elohim, mighty creator. And if you were to read from the first book of the Old Testament to the last book of the Old Testament, how many times do you think you would read the name Elohim, mighty creator? Any guesses? How about, that's not bad. How about 2,500 times? Over and over, God says, hey, don't miss this one. Because this is a foundational theme throughout scripture. I am the mighty creator. God establishes his story, not just in his name of the Old Testament, not in the stories of the Old Testament, but then he, he establishes his story when he gets to the New Testament and he reminds us that this person named Jesus, he's the mighty creator as well. John chapter one, in the speaking of Jesus, in the beginning, that takes us back to Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, John 1-3. Speaking of the word, all things were what? Made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the mighty creator as well. God the Father, God the Son, the mighty creator. So when we read about Jesus in the New Testament and we read his first miracle that he turned water into wine, that's a piece of cake. He's the mighty creator. He has, he spoke the world into existence. 
He created the elements. When he walks on water, it's not a problem because he's the mighty creator. He spoke those elements into existence. When he took the little boy's lunch and created uh, food for 5,000 people plus the men and the, uh, the, the children and the women there, 10,000 people altogether, that was not a problem for him because he can create something out of nothing. So to have a lunch gives him a head start. He's the mighty creator. And when he raises the dead and he himself raises from the dead, that's the work of the mighty creator, right? Because he's the one who breathes breath into the life of man. Jesus is the mighty creator. Foundation of scripture is this truth that God is a creator. Okay, let's, let's see how this works out in real life. Let's see how this works out in application. Number one, since God is the mighty creator, I see evidence of him everywhere. I cannot get away from evidence of God. Psalmist says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Psalm 33. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. If I go outside, I am going to experience the mighty creator. I don't read my Bible. I never read my Bible. I just go outside. I'm still going to experience the mighty creator. Psalm 148 says, the sun and the moon and the shining stars praise him. God speaks through Isaiah and he says, if you ever doubt my power, Isaiah, if you ever doubt that I'm on your side, if you ever doubt who I am, if you ever doubt my power, just look up into the sky. Who created these? I did. I'm the mighty creator. We don't have time to read it, but Romans chapter eight, verse, uh, Romans chapter one, verse 18, Paul says that, that through creation, Everything a person uh, needs to know about God is evident. So Paul says, men are without excuse. If you've never read the Bible, if you never heard the name Jesus, just by virtue of creation, just by virtue of creation, it declares the attributes of God. He's the mighty creator. This is, this is foundational to understanding scripture. Number Two, since the mighty creator, since God is a mighty creator, bowing before him in worship is part of my story. Bowing before him in worship is part of my story. A couple uh, verses here. Psalm 95, 6, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, as Rick uh, teaches us in worship, uh, worship is not just coming and singing songs on a, on a Sunday or a Saturday night. Worship is my daily response to the person of God. And I am worshiping God just as much as when I'm singing songs, as when I'm in the line at the grocery store, as when I'm trying to get out of the parking lot on a Sunday morning. Wherever I am, I am worshiping God. I can't not express a response to God who is the mighty creator? In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, last book of the Bible, these living creatures throw their crowns before the throne of God. And they say in uh, verse 11 of chapter 4, worthy are you, O Lord, to receive honor, uh, glory and honor and power. What, what, God, why are you, why would you be worthy to receive glory and honor and power? Because you created all things. 
You're the mighty creator because you created all things and by your will, they existed and were created. That is foundational to our understanding scripture. God is the mighty creator and it's foundational to our worship, isn't it? We bow before him, sometimes physically, sometimes just in our heart. And when we bow before him, we are submitting ourselves to him. We're submitting ourselves to to his person. We're submitting ourselves to his instructions. We're submitting ourselves to his commands to us because he is the mighty creator. Since God is the mighty creator, my story, the story I'm co-writing with him, is built on response to his word. Now, just think about it. In Genesis 1, we're told, and Hebrews tells us we take it by faith that God did all this. God said, let there be light. And what happened? There's light. God spoke the world into existence. His word in here is just as powerful. Same God. He doesn't change, right? So the word he used to speak the world into existence is the same word that he gives us here through different authors, just as powerful, just as filled with authority. And so we have to respond to his word. It's interesting when God in scripture. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't always respond to God's word like I should. Anybody agree? Same three people, right? That... uh, I don't always respond to his word. Sometimes I neglect reading it. Sometimes when I read it, I just do that checklist thing. You ever did that? Yeah, I got my reading in today, checklist. Boom, I don't remember what I read and it didn't make any difference in my life, but I got it done. And sometimes I just pick and choose passages I really like to obey. And then there are some passages that are really hard to obey and and I'm wanting to ignore them. It's interesting in scripture throughout the Old Testament when, when, when the nation of Israel got off track and, 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 and they were not obeying God, you know what he did? When he wanted to reestablish his authority, you know what he did? He reminded them, hey, don't forget, I am the mighty creator. Let me give you a, a passage, there are many. Let me give you one passage, Isaiah chapter 42. Thus says God the Lord. Okay, God, you're going to tell us something. Why should we listen to you? Thus says God the Lord. So what? Who are you? Oh, God says, well, let me tell you who I am. I'm the one who created the heavens and stretched them out. I'm the one who spread out the earth and what comes from it. Don't forget, I'm the one who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk in it. You might ought to listen to what I have to say. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other. Isaiah says the same thing in Isaiah 45, 18. For thus says the Lord. Okay, thus says the Lord. That's great. Why should I listen to you, Lord? Because he's the one who created the heavens. And then Isaiah says, he is God, Elohim, the mighty creator who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. Read it with me. There is no other. You think 
we might ought to listen to God's word. When we read it, it's not the words of men. It's the word of the mighty creator who spoke the world into existence and is speaking directly to us through different authors that we'll talk about as we go through the Bible. Last one. Since God is the mighty creator, he actively writes my story by providing me everything I need. So let me ask you a question. Take a deep breath and think about this one. What do you need? So God's the writer of your story. You're co-writing it with him. What do you need? Maybe it's physical. Maybe this COVID, through this COVID thing, you lost your job and you're saying, I need a job. Maybe it's a health situation. A lot of people I know are struggling with health, right? I, I need something. I need to get healthier. I need this treatment to work. I need God's direct intervention. If he doesn't, I need the doctors to prescribe what's going on. I need a health to try. I need something physical. Maybe it's emotional. I am just flat discouraged. I'm disillusioned. I don't know what's true anymore. I'm depressed. Maybe it's spiritual. Any of you ever experienced like spiritual apathy? Like kind of dull, kind of numb? Kind of dangerous place to be, isn't it? I really don't care. So, so, so what is it that you need? What is it that you need? Only you can answer that question. Let me remind you that the one who provides it is, what's his name? The mighty creator. He can handle it. He can handle it. I promise you, he can handle it. Are you exhausted? This, this COVID thing wearing you out? Reading stuff about loneliness is at an all-time high, depression is at an all-time high, mental illness, all these things going on. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And just in case you didn't know, he's the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And that's just talking about him. Look at what he does for us. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord, who say, God, you're the mighty creator, meet the need of my life. And you know it better than I do, God. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. The mighty creator. Maybe uh, today you are facing, you're facing something that just seems impossible. You ever, ever, ever been there? Sometimes people will come to us and they'll say, um, my marriage is beyond repair. Really. I'm at a situation that is just impossible. Really. I have this, I have this obstacle before me and, and, 
Ain't no way I can get around it. Really. So let's think again. So we all have those, we all have those feelings, right? But let's just think again who this God is we serve. Who is he? He's the mighty creator. He made the heavens and the earth. Jeremiah 32, 17, jot this one down. Oh, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Read this last part with me. You ready? Nothing is too hard for you. You believe that? But God, this is impossible. No, 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 time out. Time out. I made the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too possible. Nothing is impossible for me. I don't know how he's going to fix your situation. I don't know if, if the challenges will continue as part of your story. All I know is this. God is going to give you everything you need to do what he's calling you to do. He's going to provide everything you need to do what he's calling you. You know why I know that? That's what he says. And he backs it up by saying, I am the mighty creator. Nothing is too hard for me. The worship team is going to sing a great song, a new song. They're going to sing it over us. And as they're singing it, I just want you to just uh, let them sing it over. They'll invite us in later on. But, but this song talks about, you know, some, I, you hear people sometimes, I just need a word from God, right? I don't know what that means exactly, but I need a word from God. Well, here's the word from God. I am the mighty creator. I got you covered. I got your back. One word from you, the song says, one word from you. Things change on your authority. Your word is true. Things change on your authority. Listen to the words of these songs. Let this be your prayer as you talk to God and just say, God, this is what I need. And I know you are more than capable. You're the mighty creator. Nothing is impossible with you. Father, open our hearts to what you have for us in these next couple minutes. Speak directly to us through this song and remind us, Lord, that you got it. Nothing is too hard for you. In Jesus' name.